Welcome back, everyone, to the Chill Like Mother podcast. I am your host, Kayla Kuzar, and I am here with Jen. And this has been a long-awaited podcast episode. I approached Jen a while ago, and we have been wanting to get together for so long to record this for you guys. And what we want to talk about today is the illusion or the invisibility kind of of motherhood and all of the, not all of that, we don't have time for that, some of the narratives that we can kind of get caught up in or stuck in in all of that and so Jen I think it's best coming right from you what are your passions about this topic or your personal experience or how do you want to start us off today wow I know um I have been looking forward to this conversation for so so long so I'm so honored to be here where do we start? The illusion of motherhood, personal story of mine, where I realized that I was living in the depths of the illusion of motherhood. So um, my mother was diagnosed with brain cancer and they gave her about a year to live. And she luckily was with us for about two years, but the two years of her life weren't we were happy and grateful and um, to have her. However, she was a different person after her brain surgery. She was full of anxiety. She was full of resentment. And I love my mom. But she was the epitome of what society tells you a good mom should be. Self-sacrificing. Always putting her children and her husband first. Um, not believing in her own dreams, not pursuing anything, um, doing all the emotional labor, doing all the domestic labor, um, mental labor. I mean, she did it all. You know, my dad was um, an atypical European man. You know, he was the provider. He came home, he had dinner at the table. We had to be quiet, you know. When she realized that she, you know, only had a few months to live or a few years to live, that's when it really started to hit her. You know, I did not live my whole life. I did not live my dreams. I just didn't do what I wanted to do um, because I thought it was selfish. And that hit me really hard because at that time, my son was two years old and I was a new mom. And I could see the same patterns and the same cycles happening with myself. And I started to freak out. I thought, oh my God, I, I'm, I'm doing the same. I'm self-sacrificing. I'm doing all the domestic labor. Um, I am doing all the emotional labor. I am burnt out. I am overwhelmed. I hate being a mom. I hate this whole motherhood story. And here's my mom at 73 years old. You know, saying, no, this is not what it's supposed to be. And that's when I realized that, wow, like what we have been conditioned as, um, as, as a woman is to be a people pleaser, to put others' needs before ourselves, to be the good girl. And that starts to become even more true when we become mothers. We just kind of put ourselves into that unconsciously until something happens and you realize that that's just not your story. And the way that you realize it's not your story sometimes comes from the fact that you feel 
overwhelmed and burnt out. Um, but for me, that was at the moment, the moment that my mom took her last breath, I was in the room, um, was almost the moment where I almost took my first breath in this new redefined role of motherhood and realized, you know, like I, I can't do this. Like I, I, I cannot hate what I'm doing. I can't, I, I love my son. I love being his mother, but I hate the institution of motherhood. This needs to change for myself and for my son and also for my mom, right? I don't want to be on my own deathbed saying, oh, you know, I self-sacrificed and it was a lot more to life. So that's a little bit of a personal story where I thought, you know what, this motherhood that I was thought to believe was the be all and end all and the reward and what I was meant to do and will be so fulfilling to be a wife and a mom. And when you, when I got there, it wasn't, it was, that's, that's when I realized that, yeah, the motherhood that I believed in was an illusion. That is such a powerful story and one that I resonate with deeply. Can you break down some of the ways that you then moved forward. Wow. It's interesting you say forward. <laughs> I think I'm going through it. Through it still? <laughs> through, through it. And then I go back and then I go through it again and I go back. Um, how I'm taking steps is really just redefining. So moving into that self-advocacy and self-agency. I was always a very independent person, self, like I I spoke up for myself. I was a fighter. Um, But I realized I was a fighter within the mask of um, people pleasing. So I'm I'm dependent, I'm a fighter, but then all of a sudden if I felt that angst or if I felt like, oh no, like I was going to get in trouble or, um, you know, um, I don't want to make you upset, then I'll stop. Right. So, um, so I had to really kind of, I had to redefine that for myself. I had to really reclaim, um, my voice and I reclaimed my voice by understanding the language around patriarchy boundaries. I had no boundaries. My mom had no boundaries. So I had no boundaries growing up. And so I had to create boundaries. And for me, it was reading literature around this as well. So creating that awareness. And then when we create and when we educate ourselves and create that awareness, then we have the wisdom or the knowledge to really speak about that or acknowledge it or see things in our lives that we have, that we may not have, I guess, we may have gaslighted ourselves within it, right? So now we're like, oh, actually, no, that's actually a thing, you know? I think it's also the conversation in society now is 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 better. We're having more conversations around the institute of motherhood and how culture and society plays with that and patriarchy and you know misogyny and just a lot of that. And I think because of the conversations and because of the brave writers and brave storytellers and 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 um, people sharing their stories then we all as a collective are able to really move forward. And so you come from this personal and professional lens under, um, I know you've taken training in like conscious parenting and fair play. And so 
how do you, you know, how do you intermix the things that you know professionally, you know, and and also apply them personally, almost going too far into it, where then you also can like lose yourself, I think, in the in the framework of it or the um well, Instagram told me this, or this is the way that I should show up. You know, maybe I'll start, I'll back this up and share a bit of a story myself is that what I find in my own life is that it's hard to distinguish between what I'm constantly fed on social media because the algorithm will, like my explore page is pretty much all about parenting and scripts and attachment parenting and like none, like none of the other fun cat videos. And so I find it really hard to distinguish between reading that, even maybe believing that that's how I want to show up differently, right? Like get lots of wisdom from Dr. Becky, right? Like lots of wisdom. It can feel like consuming that information all the time doesn't give me time to actually reflect and go inward about how I actually want to show up. Or I would say that differently, or I would move through that differently, or um, maybe that doesn't work for my particular temperament or my child's temperament. When we're when we're living in this illusion of motherhood or the narrative and feeling invisible and all of it, the part for me that feels heavy or the the energy that's kind of surrounding my parenting right now is. I need to check in here first because my temperament is different than whoever that mom influencer is or whoever that other person is who's sharing really great information, but it might not actually work in the context of our reality. And so I'm going to rephrase my question. As you're moving through it, I like that you're, you're moving through it. You're still in the ordeal of it, how how do you make that distinction between what I need, what I'm consuming, what's good for my family, what is honoring our temperaments and our reality and our life circumstances? Oh my God, such a rich, rich question. And share because uh, social media social media social media (laughs) um personally when I first became a mom a new mom I was all about social media I was a conscious parenting coach and I was always on social media I would share tools around conscious parenting but I was also you know following other parenting coaches and experts like Dr. Becky and because I was in the trenches, in the depth, the, the, the darkness that can like follow you in um, being a new mom, I just started to reach out for anything and everything because I needed someone to just take away the pain. I needed someone to just solve my problems. And it was so quick, right? Oh, there's a script for that. But then, of course, my son is showing neurodivergencies, like tendencies. And so... I would use this, I would use what I know from conscious parenting, and then I would use the scripts that I would hear. And more times than none, it didn't work, you know, because 
some days he will be listening and some days he's very strong-willed and some days he just wants to do his own thing. And so within that, I thought, oh gosh, you know, like, who am I? I'm a conscious parenting coach and I, as a teacher, a principal, and I can't even parent this child. And then of course there comes more scrolling, more scrolling, more feeding that, feeding that story, feeding that narrative. And sometimes that's what we do, right? The trauma linking. Um, And then I just got to the point where I was like, well, I just don't know what I'm doing. And you give up, right? You disassociate from self, you disassociate from life, you just move yourself away and you move into this place of like freeze or or um just like a I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it a trauma state. You're just like your nervous system is fine and you're burnt out. It wasn't until I got personally to that point that I was like I had to, I understood that I needed pause, right? So at first it became a survival mechanism. It didn't work for me. It fed the story of I'm not good enough, which is really patriarchy, a patriarchal narrative, um, society narrative, like you're never good enough. You can do more and more and more, which is endless and is a lie. Hence the illusion. Um, when I got to the point of complete like burnout, I realized that I had to do something different and create the boundary of social media. But also I really believe like with, if anyone is listening and they're following the scripts and they're getting more anxious, you're getting, you know, nervous they're feeling like they're not good enough the scripts are not working i want you to stop because what gave me the luxury or the grace was pause was space um when i had space i was able to really listen to the stories within my head i was able to be present in what was happening and, you know, some scripts and some some words were really helpful. You know, mm-hmm. they really are. But when it's like so much and you're getting lost to it, lost in it, and it just becomes about more like um, beating the narrative of not good enough, you can get quite lost in it. Um, anyways, for me, it was, it was, it was the pause because there was also something else that was happening as I was a conscious parenting coach was this idea of you, it's all in you. You know what to do. You, you're intuitive. You've just lost that intuitive nature. But I also see a bit of patriarchy in there too because there's a story that mothers always know or mothers know best or mothers have this innate intuition on what to do. And in honesty and, and like reading and research and literature, it may be a generational thing, it may be a modeling thing, it may be a conditioning thing. But if men had the same conditioning, the same modeling, they would be as good in the act of mothering, right? So when you feel like you don't have that intuition, or if you feel like you're not good enough, or you feel like I should be able to naturally do this, and you have these stories of, yeah, you should naturally be able to do this, and you have the intuition. You, you start to doubt yourself again, right? So I think to answer that one amazing question um, is 
space is pause. And sometimes that's really hard to do when you're in the depths of becoming of a new mom or motherhood because the pause in the space can be very scary because things will come up and, and we have to face things. But I honestly think that for me and for a lot of my past clients, it was the moving away, you know, like the, the, the creating the pause instead of being in it, being the observer. So you know, checking in with yourself. If you do see a script and, um, you know, how is this affecting me? And just thinking about it, just really just creating pause and space around it. And you can use it. And if it doesn't work, give yourself grace. You like, you tried it. It doesn't work. My son is different. I'm different. My household is different. It's a different day. Gosh, it's a different time of day. Like, you know, like everything. So... I mean, I could talk about it forever, but I really, any, a takeaway from, from this would just be to give yourself space and pause. Yeah. And I think I would add on to what you said, you know, if you're in a space where things feel kind of raw and stuck and maybe even vulnerable, especially those early, the early days of motherhood and and when I say early days, I don't just mean the first year or the first two years. I just mean like if you still feel like you're in it, you're like, that's, that's where you're at. If your three-year-old is still waking up multiple times a night, and not eating, and you're still battling some of the same things that you were battling in early motherhood, but you're three years in, you're still in early motherhood. You're still in yeah. Like I'm, you're I'm still, in. I'm still in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're in this space and if your body contracted with that, how do I pause? How do I pause this such automatic thing that is literally a limb? I can't imagine going to a different room without it. I can't imagine parenting without it. I can't imagine um, not checking X, Y, and Z. If that is the feeling, the body clenching that happens it is even more necessary Mm. and it's likely you're going to need a guide or a support person or a professional or an accountability buddy to move with you through it because this I haven't looked at the stats recently, but a while ago I did, and it was I think the average human being spends at least an hour and a half on social media and up to six hours a day consuming information through the internet or their phone or some way. This wow. is very new for our very primal nervous system mm-hmm. to be consuming that much information, whether on purpose or not on purpose, to interrupt that pattern, it is very likely that by interrupting it, you're going to be kind of flooded with this uncertainty and unknown, maybe even anxiety or some of the things that that we do to avoid, I do it, right? Like I avoid hard situations or hard conversations or, you know, those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. Um, It may feel like it kind of hits you 
if you do decide to say, oh, I am curious about that, or, oh, yeah, I'd really like to interrupt that pattern. Um, I think it's just important to not brace yourself, but have some kind of person that you're keeping accountable with or helping you through that. Because when we pause, the reason we avoid the pause also is because all the things that potentially you may be avoiding are going to start filtering through. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate you adding that on and and talking about that because we have been told that the Mm -hmm. pause is a scary thing. And we know that the pause is where the healing and the awareness comes in, you know, and the reason that we're always on our phone is because the phone has become our village, our community, you know, our family. And now is, it is, you know, we've lost our community. We've lost the, the wisdom of community and community is now social media. And so as humans are, we, we need human connection, mm-hmm. especially during COVID. Social media was that human connection. And yeah. so that's, you know, understandably. And you also have to notice, which can be hard because if you're in the middle of it all, the chaos, the overwhelm, it might feel so normal to you until it's not, you know, until it's too much. Um, but like you said, like, if you listen to this or if you um, think, you know, yeah, I, I feel I feel weird, you know, like I feel like I'm not good enough or these scripts are really overwhelming. And we're not meant to take that much information. We are mm-hmm. not meant to take that much information. Imagine if we did not take in all that information and how much room and space we'd have in our brain, right, and our emotions. Because we're holding on to whatever we've seen energetically and it's still with us so the pause um and i wish i remembered the book i read and the author but he wrote about trauma and he wrote that you know um we react to things so yeah the phone is kind of our survival mechanism it's our crutch it's like i i'm stressed out so it's my vice i'm gonna look into it i'm gonna i'm gonna use my phone and it's not until you get to the point where you start to feel that uncomfortable feeling and then that's when you kind of have to take a deep breath taking a deep breath is a good place to start just like is it time to pause it's time to put my phone down how long am I going to put my phone down? And just getting curious with the intention, just being curious and playful so that your system doesn't get too startled. But, um, and that's something that you may need to create a a community around to support you. You know, like let's get four or five moms together and let's just maybe support each other and not being on social media. I know, I know a lot of parents from my son's preschool have stopped being on social media because it was just too much. 